With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, here we are on the Catfish on the Ice podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Hope everyone had a happy holiday so far and a Merry Christmas and everything with you. And we are going to give you some great Predators talk tonight. I'm joined by Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. Guys, how are you doing? Doing well. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right, so uh, hockey is f- quickly approaching here. We got uh, training camps that start in less than a week for the Preds. Uh, the seven that didn't make the uh, Stanley Cup qualifiers are going to start on New Year's Eve. Uh, sorry for them. Can't be going out partying on New Year's Eve. You got to go to training camp, guys. Sorry, hate to break it. No partying. But, uh, yeah, and so in episode six of the Catfish and Ice podcast, we are going to get into the two big signings that the Preds made since the last time we had our episode, and that was the signings of Michael Granlin and Eric Halla. We're also going to have an interview with Hart of Puckpedia who uh, covers a lot of salary cap stuff for the NHL. And so we're going to have an awesome interview with him. He's going to give us some insight on where the Preds sit with their salary cap. And we're also going to get into kind of what's going on with the taxi squads and the NHL in this crazy season where teams are going to get to carry extra players and stuff like that. So uh, he's going to be joining us in the middle segment. And then we're going to run off. We're going to have some fun and talk about – uh, some New Year's Eve stuff, and we're going to talk about some players that we would like to uh, bring the New Year's Eve in with if we're uh, talking about Preds players, which players we'd like to hang out with and party with uh, for New Year's Eve 2021. And we're also going to do a quick update on the World Juniors that are going on right now in Edmonton. We've got some Preds prospects that are performing really, really well right now at the World Juniors. So that's going to kind of uh, be episode six for us. And so we're going to start with the face-off, which is the signings of Eric Halla and Michael Granlin. Uh, let's start with Granlin. We all know Granlin very well. Uh, last season brought uh, tempered expectations. Uh, he didn't perform anywhere near on the same level as what he did in Minnesota. But now uh, he was not brought back, actually, by the Preds. He tested the free agency market, and no teams took him. And the Preds were like, "We're gonna get, we're gonna uh, get you for a better deal, three point seven five million, only a one year deal, super low risk, and you're potentially getting a player who can be a top six scoring winger." So, I mean, how can you not like this deal? I mean, even if, even if he did have. Um, a rough season. There's a lot of different factors that go into that. A reason to not steal five million. Not a huge deal at all, especially when you consider the Preds had plenty of, tra- of uh, salary cap uh, space, and it's only a one-year deal. So even if it doesn't work out, you're not burned for the long term. 
Uh, we all we know all about the long-term deals and how the Preds have gotten burned on those. So it's a one-year deal. And then, of course, Eric Hall is also a one-year deal for $1.75 million, a guy who uh, crashes the net, could potentially be Craig Smith replacement. I don't think we're ne- ever going to have a guy that completely replaces Craig Smith. But you got to think that he's kind of coming in with that. Uh, that, that that's kind of the purpose I get from the Eric Holla signing is, can he be a third-line guy that kind of replaces what we're losing in Craig Smith? And so, uh, guys, kind of tell me how you feel about those signings uh, first off. Well, I think signing Granlin, it's a huge second-chance opportunity for him. There's some good and some bad. The good is uh, he's familiar with the Predators, and the Predators are familiar with him. The bad part is we can now add him to the list of players who struggled last season that ha- that need to redeem themselves. So I just see him like he's a few years when he was with Minnesota, he had a 69-point season and a 67-point season. But as we know, in Nashville, he only had the 30 points, uh, 17 goals. That's still good, but they just need to get him back to that, you know, the, the Minnesota days when he was uh, producing more and then – um, I kind of see him being on the second line. I think everybody's kind of slotted him in there with Matt Duchesne. And then it appears that it's going to be Ellie Tolvanen. I think that's, you know, it's not set in stone, but I think everybody kind of agrees that, that that's what it's going to be. And um, the other thing I was kind of wondering is like, it kind of puts a sign in Granlin Hall. It kind of puts a hitch in David Poyle's youth movement. It seems like, He's, I don't know if he got cold feet or um, just was kind of looking at the numbers and decided, yeah, I need, I need to get some, some, some guys in here that some veteran guys. So I'm not sure if he just decided that that's what he wanted to go with and just we'll have to see how it plays out once training camp starts. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, with the, the taxi squad, I think that just having additional depth, especially for these one year deals, it makes sense just because. Um, it gives you a broader rotation. It lets you put some guys in and see what you also have. So I would say, you know, it doesn't really necessarily – the youth don't get, you know, automatic starts as much in, in, you know, the top four lines, but they could be rotated out of the taxi squad through for some of these players, especially if some of these players are, you know, struggling. They could be a way to send a message to them, say, hey, you either got to step it up or, you know, there's people that are waiting in the wings that are, you know, practicing with us every day. Um, this isn't like when they're playing for the HL and we get a hint of, you know, Hey, someone's having a really good season. This is like, you see him every day in practice. So, you know, who's playing better hockey than, you know, the, the other guys. So for the guys that, are, you know, for these two being on one year deals, it's kind of like a, you know, you, you got to prove yourself still, even, um, with the talent and the, the you know prospects they have. Um, you know, I think we want to see, you know, a 50 point season with Mikel Granlund. We want to see you know, Eric Holly get back to that, that 55 point season, like he had with uh, Vegas back when he was playing with them. Um, but it's just going to depend on things. I mean, I mean, Granlin showed – it was very weird to see him come over from Minnesota, especially for Fiala, and you know, we saw Fiala uh, take off. But Granlin has not been the same player. I mean, it's just – I don't know if something happened in Nashville or what, but he has not been the player that we thought we were going to get from Minnesota. It's almost like he's needed chaos in front of the net to thrive. Um, he, hasn't really, he hasn't really been the best at creating his own opportunities. And granted, with, when you're playing with Duchesne, like you should be able to have some opportunities created for you anyways. Uh, with Halla, I mean, he, he's dropped down the last couple of years, and you know that could be speculation as to why he was traded uh, between Carolina and the Panthers. But uh, they're both capable players. They're both young players, relatively. I mean, you know, they're 
they're not it's not like we're getting you know some old guys that are just kind of you know on the the tail end of their mm-hmm. careers here we still have some relatively young guys in these two that could be you know potential contributors especially on an offense that needs contribution because um, last year we just didn't see it but it's going to be really interesting to see. I think there's some uh, interesting parts about the chemistry of those two because uh, for, for those that don't know, Mikhail Granlin was uh, was a groomsman in Eric Hall's wedding. So they're friends. They're good friends. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see if they if that translates to, you know, on the ice chemistry or if it's just the fact that they can kind of hopefully permeate that chemistry a little bit around the team. Um, but I, I think that the foregone conclusion is that Mikel Granlin gets that second line, but I'm not sure. I mean, we saw a lot of him with Duchesne last year, and it didn't work. So, you know, maybe it's a different uh, different setup. Maybe it's Halla centering either the third or fourth line, Mikel Granlin on one of those lines. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out, uh, especially with us needing to create offense. And, you know, we aren't, we're going to get too, in tune depth in the World Juniors, but, you know, Thomasino is tearing it up out there. And so – you know, and we haven't gotten Elias Hovland back. So it's like we, we, we have to see what these guys are like in training camp. Uh, and even then, I think that taxi squad is going to push these two uh, and the other players are on short contracts so that, you know, really try to, to improve if they want to keep ice time. Because, you know, with a one-year deal, it's like you're auditioning for the team you're on, but at the same time, you're also auditioning for other teams that are going to be looking at your tape next offseason and saying, is this guy worth, you know, a multi-year deal, multi-million dollar deal, or is it going to be another one-year stop for someone? So, you know, they, they got a lot to prove, and there's, they're in a situation where they can prove it, but uh, it's just going to depend on what happens on the uh, on the ice and what they produce. Yep, definitely. The uh, thing about Granlin for me is it's one of those things where there, were, there was a lot going on with the Preds last year. Uh that just wasn't going smoothly. And so, again, I'm going to go back to I like this deal because he was still out there for the taking. You know, I expected him to be taken rather quickly, not immediately necessarily because his stock had dropped. Uh, but I, I thought for sure he wouldn't be around this late in the offseason. So I think the Preds were to get out and grab him for a one-year deal, $3.75 million. Uh you know, that could be this the steal of all time if he comes out here and even does half of what he was doing in Minnesota. And who's to say that can't happen? I mean, John Hines coming in here for first full year head coach. Uh, he's going to put his systems in place. You've got a brand new roster for I'm not a brand new roster, but you know, he's a, a big roster overhaul. And so I'm going to be interested to see where they stick him originally in that first game. Is he going to be on the second line like everyone thinks? Do you stick him on the third line with Hala and then you uh, make some different moves on the second line? Uh, most likely he's going to be on the second line with Duchesne, and they're going to see how that works out. But, um, I mean, just look at some of these stretches here. He won a 12-game stretch from mid-October to mid-November where he didn't score any points. So that's a big that's a big chunk right there, where a uh, big chunk of the season. Where you know no points, no assists, no goals, nothing. I mean, that's that can't happen. But then he really picked it up after Hines came in. You know, it's been it's been brought up plenty of times. Sixteen points in twenty eight games under Hines. That's kind of the uh, level of production you want to see him at. If he's at that level of production on this deal, he's coming back on. That's a steal. Sorry, guys, that's a steal. So uh, you know, still he put up a, a career high. In his uh, Corsi rating last year, 52.4, which is uh, above average, league average, it's above average. So I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, 
I'm not going to use this as the total excuse for why he had a bad year. I think things went into it. But I think he had some bad luck in there, too. I think he had some bad puck luck. I think he had – he was in the right place at the right times a lot of times. I remember watching plenty of games where I'm like, how did he not score a goal there? So, you, you're kind of thinking his luck's going to turn around. I mean, Rich, do you th- – I mean, how do you feel about it? Do you kind of agree with me on that? Like, he can – you feel like his luck's got to turn around. I think so. I mean, you look at it, and we know that last year they all they all had troubles. I think some of with what was going on with Granlin, I think Laviolette just didn't know how to coach him, or, or I don't know. He just didn't do well in their system. But he, still, he still wound up with thirty points. I mean, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. But for the money he was making. You know, you expect more out of him, but I, I agree. I think not, it's not just him. It's not just him that the whole team. I think they're all they're all due for some for some good luck. And I think I'm really hoping with this new, you know, with Hines being in and with the new defensive mindset that they just turn the whole thing around because they need, like I said, they need Granlin. You know, he struggled last year. They need him to step up. Forsberg, all, all those guys that that had troubles last year, and and we just it's hard to tell like what they're even going to do until we see them play in a few games. We just, you can't even speculate. We just don't know what they're going to do. I agree. I think you need time to also give the lines to, you know, give, give time to lines to solidify, to get some consistency too. I think part of that was a challenge uh, last year is not only did LaViolette, you know, swap out some lines and try to figure out what was going to work and what wasn't, but then John Hines had to figure it out. And that's not John's Hines fault as much as it is LaViolette's. Because, uh, you know, as a new head coach, like, you got to see what you got. But I think that with a full training camp, with Hines having his system installed, uh, with his assistant coaches, who I'm very excited about, um, hopefully it gives a little bit more time to solidify. Hopefully we're not swapping guys in and out every other night of the first and second lines, even the third line and fourth line. But we're really finding some consistency in there. And even if we do have to make some, you know, some swap outs, it's – people that make sense on those lines, people that are already you know, kind of ready to go and ready to rock and roll on those lines. But uh, one of the good things that I think about the signing though, is that we may not even be done. I mean, when you look at the the numbers, especially, you know, the money wise, like, you know, like you said, these are some good deals and, and it's, they're bargains you know, at the end of the day. And the, the Preds still have cap room. I mean, granted, we're still paying for tourists. That's going to always, that's, I'm going to say it until the cows come home. And it's so frustrating that we still have to pay <laughs> some money, but uh, you know, we still have some money to spend. So, I mean, um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how things shake out, especially as we get closer to the trade deadline as well. Um, because, you know, for people that this, for us, we, if we're, hopefully we're, we're, you know, we're buyers at the trade deadline. Um, but if not, these two could also be candidates for some trade assets, uh, either to get us some prospects or some more long-term picks that could turn into, you know, a two-year contract player, uh, possibly or something along those lines, but it's going to be very interesting. I mean, I, these guys, have all the talent that they need to, to be successful. It's just a matter of can it show up on the ice. And if it can, we could be a very, very fun team to watch offensively. I see the um I see the hollow pickup. So I, I didn't I'll be honest, after after they got Grandland, I didn't think they were going to make any more moves. I thought they were going to kind of go into the season with what they had. You know, you saw I had Mike Hoffman hanging around out there, but uh after the, I didn't expect another addition. And so then they bring in Eric Holla, who a lot of Preds fans probably don't know a ton about him. You know, he played for, for uh, Carolina for most of last season. Uh, his big season in NHL, his lone big season in, in the NHL was in 2017-18. He put up 55 points with Vegas. He's a known 
net crasher. He likes to really uh, cause havoc in front of the net. And so, you know, a lot of your signings uh, previously over the offseason was more defensive-minded type of guys, not bringing in a lot of offense. So the Preds kind of cap off this offseason, presumably. They could still have another move up their sleeve. But they kind of cap off the offseason with uh, Hala and Granlin, two players who are more uh, lean more offensively and can maybe – Give us some depth scoring, especially Hala. Uh, so, I mean, I like the moves. I think, you know, if you would have asked me before Hala and Granlin was added, what I'd give the Preds offseason grade, I would have given them a very average C to C+. Plus. Um, now that they've signed Hala and Granlin on these very team-friendly, low-risk deals, one-year deals, you know, I'm going to put the Preds right in that uh, grade of a B range. They're offseason Dave slightly gotten better over the offseason after the signings of um, Hala and Granlin. Uh, Colin, uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think they got better after the signings or I think so. how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, even for, just for the sheer fact of scoring depth, I think that helps. Um, just because those two, I mean, they, they can't, they're capable, like I said, they're capable of being offensive threats when they're in their zone and they're in the right place and they have the right people around them. It's just a matter of, you know, can it happen? Can the puck bounce the right way for them uh, to contribute the way we know they can contribute? Um, but I also find it interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, like I said, we weren't done, but then like you find out that we were, you know, one of the contenders from Mike Hoffman, which is kind of funny because he almost reminds me of a, a Greg Smith type. And the fact that Greg Smith went to Boston is kind of funny, but you know, it's, I think with yeah. those two, we're still good. I think we're still in a very good place as far as, you know, even if we're going to an offensive rotation in a lot of places and a lot of lines, uh, those two are going to contribute. It's just going to be who's going to get the ice time and who's going who's gonna to cement themselves in that lineup, and, and it's going to be fun to see. And who might end up on the taxi squad. Exactly. That's what a lot of people are not focusing on is if a player's playing poorly, you get that tax four or six players – it's almost like an extra minor league, like almost like think about it like a practice squad. Most if the NHL is giving these teams due to the COVID nineteen uh, uh, stuff. So, you know, if a player plays poorly, you better believe that there's going to be teams that are going to be like, "Hey, we're going to put you on this taxi squad, and we're going to call someone else up." You know, like so, we got to keep that part in mind. Uh, but one more thing on Hollow for me that I do really like about him is he is a very uh, – he's got a lot of tenacity to him, to his game, which is what we loved about Craig Smith. He's strong in the face-off circle, 50% success rate in the face-off circle last season. So um, he can bring other tools to the game. He's not a big defensive player. That's definitely not his calling card at all. But I think defensively with the other signings they made. So um, – I just I love the two moves. Uh, I think it's going to really solidify their offseason. I don't think that instantly makes them like a, a Stanley Cup contender by any means. They're very, you know, they're very modest moves, but they're moves that can make a huge difference, especially the Granlin move. If he somehow finds his Minnesota form, oh my gosh! Like then right. you find yourself in a different problem, which is okay. These guys are both on one. Let's say they both have great seasons, which would be awesome. Then you're gonna have to, you're gonna have different problems next offseason uh, when it comes to are we gonna reason this guy? Uh, so 
it's going to be really interesting to watch. The Preds have definitely given us plenty to talk about when it comes to these free agency signings. I mean, you know. Yeah, I watched uh, all the the video of um, all of Holla's goals when he was with Carolina. He's really good around the net. There was a lot of goals he got. There were tip-ins. Um, he was just – I mean, he, he plays really well at the net. And like you said, he's he's tenacious, which that's – something that they definitely need. And the other good thing is they got Holla and Granlin for almost the same amount of money that they paid Granlin last year. So that, like you said earlier, it was a steal. And they probably got both of those guys for the same amount of what Mike Hoffman probably wanted for one year. So I think they, I think this is a better option for them in the long run. I agree. And they don't, they don't get yeah, the Hoffman doesn't play a lot. I was going to say, yeah. they don't, they don't Hoffman doesn't play a lot of defense. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Uh, Hoffman doesn't defense at all. That's the problem. Hoffman. Right. He comes with off-ice baggage, too. And we, we just, you know, Mikhail Granlin and uh, Hollow, they don't have that, which obviously the Predators for a long time had a franchise that's avoided that for the most part. Um, stands a few cases here and there. Uh, and, you know, if we can avoid that, I think we want to. I was wondering why they kind of might maybe backed off from him a little bit. I mean, he's obviously going to go to St. Louis and – and what a risk! Well, it's not really a risk, I guess, but by signing the, the the tryout or whatever. But I don't know. It just seems like I don't know if he wanted like a multi year deal or something, and Paul just wasn't giving those out or something. I'm just not sure. Like I wondered why he backed off. He definitely took his salary, like a lot of a lot of players did, with everything that's going on. I mean, he is a pretty dead set thirty plus goal scorer. He's one of the best sharpshooters in the league, actually. But the problem yeah. is he doesn't bring you anything else. Like, he he he's not a well-rounded player in, in the slightest. And he's aging. And he has baggage. So, it's like, yeah, he's got that raw trait of being able to score goals, which is what it, obviously everybody wants. But it's not cut and dry, you know. And that's, that's obvious because no, no one jumped on him that soon. You know, but I think it's a good fit for him in St. Louis, honestly, because uh, St. Louis is one of those teams where you would you would kind of pencil them in that category of being one or two or three pieces away from going to another Stanley Cup. If they're as far off as the Preds are, as I hate to say that, I think they're a little bit closer to being back into the Stanley Cup, you know, than the Preds are. Right. And so adding a player like Hoffman, from the Blues' perspective, is like, okay, we're going to go ahead and take all of his weaknesses and all the things he doesn't do on the ice, and we're going to take that 30-pole um, ability, and he's going to we're going to fit him into a team that's already very well-rounded and won a Stanley Cup, you know, and that's kind of, from the Blues' perspective, I feel like it's a really good uh, fit for them. Uh, yeah. it, it's a way better fit for them than it, w- than it would have been for the Preds. Right. Well, honestly, I think he's there to replace, you know, Tarasenko just because Tarasenko is going to be on that long-term injured, uh, injured list. So yeah. for them, it's you know they're avoiding that cap hit of Tarasenko, but they also can you know continue to keep their sharpshooter, uh, which makes me glad they're not. You know, we're not having to deal with that for at least this year. But you know, hopefully, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, like what what it, the you, know, you, you don't imagine that he's not going to make the team, but it's still a tryout, you know, deal. It's not a contract, so uh, you know, there's a chance that he still might not play with St. Louis. It just kind of depends on how good you know shape he shows up in and what they see in practice. But 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, even that's with a lot of these players are getting tryout deals. So it's going to be interesting to see if more moves are made. And obviously within training camp, moves are probably still going to be able to you know, continue to be made. We're still going to probably see some cuts here and there. So uh, it's going to be, a, I mean, this, uh, this offseason's already been weird. So why not continue to make the, you know, the preseason weirder too? But uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. All right, so that's our opening face-off, talking about Grandland and Eric Holla coming to the Preds. Training camp is less than a week away. January 3rd is when the Preds will start training camp, and there's going to be so much roster competition. This is a topic we're going to in the next episode, but we're really going to start uh, putting this roster and talking about on the show kind of how we think the roster is going to end up. That's, that's going to be – something that I feel like all three of us are going to have different opinions on that. But um, coming up next in the next segment of the Catfish and Ice podcast, uh, I'm going to interview uh, Hart from Puckpedia. Uh, you follow him on Twitter at Puckpedia. He covers a lot of salary cap stuff for the NHL. He gets into all the raw numbers, all the stuff that uh, can get very complicated for the casual fan. And he kind of puts it out there and makes it a little bit easier to consume, a little bit easier to understand. So we're going to have a good interview with him in the next segment, talking about where the Preds stand when it comes to salary cap stuff. We're going to get into uh, these long-term LTIR uh, rosters and how uh, that impacts everything. And also the taxi squads, he has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that stuff. We're also going to talk about the 21 uh, next offseason, we're going to talk – so after this 56-game season, we're going to talk about where the Preds find themselves uh, with their uh, upcoming free agents, including Pecorine. So that's in the next segment, and then we're going to round up the episode with some other fun topics. So we'll be right back on the uh, on the Catfish and Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're back with the Catfish on Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your host, Chad Minton, and I am joined by an awesome guest. This is Hart with Pup Media. He covers a lot of salary cap stuff in the NHL. He talks about a lot of that awesome stuff that's sometimes too complicated for us casual fans to follow. And so I'm really excited to have him join our show and get into what's going on with uh, the Predators when it comes to the salary cap and going into this new season. And so, uh, Hart, how's your how's your holidays going so far, man? Oh, it's pretty good. It's uh, holidays mixed with NHL offseason stuff, so it's kind of uh, extra fun and excitement. Yeah, you're like kind of extra busy right now with everything that's going on with this uh, odd season we're about to get into. For sure, but with you know, not having much hockey this year, it's uh, it's exciting to to be busy with some of it again. I hey, you're preaching my choir on that one. Like I've been starved for hockey, and the World Juniors are kind of helping me out with that a little bit. But I'm really uh, uh, about the hockey season that's about to start. We got training camps coming up, and uh, so naturally, I got to get your thoughts first and foremost on the broad view of what we're about to get into when it comes to the long-term injured reserve 
uh, when it comes to how many players teams are going to hold as far as uh, the COVID-19 and extra players they have. So if you can kind of just like uh, help our listeners out, help me out as well, because for me, I'm also trying to learn all this stuff on the fly. Kind of help us out on uh, what we're about to get into when it comes to what teams can do with their uh, long-term injury reserve and their taxi squads and all that stuff. Okay, well, those are yeah, a lot of different topics. Maybe we'll start with the the taxi squad and rosters to start with. Um, yeah. yeah, so this year, because of COVID, uh, teams can have a four- to six-player taxi squad. Um, and the taxi squad is – the easiest way to think about it is it's basically like a minor league team. It's like it's just like having the, the players um, assigned to the AHL, except instead of them being in some city far away, they actually get to – practice with the team travel with the team be with the team so from a cap standpoint and from like a waiver standpoint it works exactly like sending a player to the minors so if a player needs waivers um, to get to the minors then he would need waivers to get to the taxi squad Um, if he if he's young and doesn't need waivers yet uh, to go to the minors then he doesn't need waivers to go to the taxi squad and from a cap standpoint again just like sending a player to the minors the, the most that you can save by sending a player down is 1.075 million. That's the uh, called the bearing threshold. So if a player makes that or less, their full cap it comes off if they get sent either to the minors or the taxi squad. And if they get if they have a cap it more than that, then it's just that first 1.075 million that's saved. So um, that's something to watch for when we see players getting assigned to the taxi squad. What the you know if they need waivers to to get there and what the cap impact would be. And then just from a roster standpoint, so normally teams can have a maximum of 23 players, uh, 23 healthy active players on their roster. That's that's the limit, 23. And normally we would see teams carry, you know, 22, 23 players because they're traveling all over North America. You know, the, their minor league teams are often quite far. And if a guy gets hurt, like in warmups or right before the game or or you know eat something bad for breakfast and can't play that night, they need to have someone yeah. extra around to jump in. Um, and so that's why they're carrying those extra players, even though you really only need 20 healthy players, only 20 players dressed for a game. So with the taxi squad, though, because those players will be technically not on the roster, but right with the team, it kind of eliminates the need for some of those extra players. So I would expect that most teams will be carrying, you know, 20, 21 players instead of 22, 23. Um, and that will save them uh, some, that will create some cap space or create some cap savings for them by having less players counting towards the cap. The only reason really why a team would want to carry more than 20 guys is if they have some players that they're worried about losing on waivers. Um, like I mentioned, if a player needs waivers, uh, they have to go on waivers to get to the taxi squad. So if they're worried that someone might get claimed, um, you know, then that would maybe that would keep them, even though they're not dressed on the on the active roster. But I think that's something we'll definitely see, and I think that's how some teams will be able to create a little bit of extra cap space um, by carrying a few less players on the roster. So yeah, that's kind of the roster taxi squad part of it. Awesome, appreciate uh, appreciate you getting into that. Like I said, it, it's complicated for a lot of the casual hockey fans, and so uh, sorry to throw that loaded question at you to open this up, but uh, uh, you kind of gave us some insight there. So um, really appreciate that. And also I want to get more into the, the, the Pred scope of it. Uh, and just, you can kind of like, let us know kind of what you know about it, but like they just signed uh, Eric Holla and they also uh, took, uh, have uh, Michael Granlin returning to the roster who was on the team last year. And so uh, Holla comes in at one year, 1.75 million. There's probably some Preds fans that don't know about him. 
Um, just going off of uh, the signing, uh, do you think it's a good deal for them in terms of uh, the $1.75 million for one year? And then also Grandland, one year, $3.75 million. Just kind of give us your thoughts on what, what you think about those two signings. Yeah, I think they're both uh, sort of good bargain hunting, low risk. I, I mean, I think the biggest issue, the biggest mistakes teams make isn't necessarily the dollars that they give on contracts. It's the number of years. So anytime it's a one-year deal, um, you know, even if it's a, the guy's a bust or it doesn't work out, you know, you you suck it up and it's over pretty quickly and, and you're, you know, it doesn't impact you long-term. So um, with Halla in particular, I mean, he had a huge first year with Vegas. You know, like if you look at his career numbers, that year with Vegas sticks way out compared to every other year. So is he is he really that player? You know, probably not. But last year he had 12 goals, 24 points um, between a couple teams in, in just over half a year. So, you know, if he's, uh, you know, in a full 82-game season, if he's like a 10 to 15 goal, 20, 30-point guy, I mean that's pretty good for your third line center, um, and at one point seven five million, that's that's pretty good price for a third line center. If he's your fourth line center, you know maybe you'd like to um, spend a little less than that. But again, it's one point seven five, so you know if he plays like a million dollar guy, you're not out that much. And you know if again if a complete disaster doesn't work at all, you could uh, wave him and send him to your taxi squad and you'd save 1.0, uh, 1.075 out of the 1.75. So you know, you're talking about like a 600 grand cap hit if he's off the roster. So again, it's really, really low risk. I think there's a opportunity for that to, uh, you know, you know, work out. I don't think it's like going to be a home run signing, but you know, it could be a solid single or double potentially. Um, and then Granlund. Yeah. It was interesting that he went back because, you know, you, he he had such poor numbers in in Nashville compared to um, in Minnesota before, and the thought was that you know it just wasn't a good fit in Nashville, um, and so maybe he'd do better off somewhere else. But you know maybe the thing that he took from it was that changing teams is hard, and so now he's finally getting a little bit comfortable with Nashville, and there's something to be said for that continuity. So you know if you look at his career numbers, like with uh, Minnesota the last few years, like. One year, 3.75 is a steal for a guy like that. Now, if he's, you know, if he was how he was last year, 17 goals, 30 points, you know, it's a, you know, maybe a little high, but again, it's a one-year deal. So if you're overpaying him by, you know, half a million or a million bucks, like it doesn't kill you. And the Preds have so much cap space that, you know, there's really no issue. Even if they paid him five, six million for a year, it doesn't really impact anything for them this year. So I think they're both good low risk signings with, especially with Granlin, the potential for it to be a home run um, and uh, Hall, I'd say potential for it to be like a double. So I think pretty good. And I, again, the biggest thing I think is the term it's, it's really uh, smart and low risk to sign a guy for one year. And if it turns out, you know, he has a great year and his next contract's huge. Well, it's a good problem to have either, you know, he's worth it to you now and he's proved it to you. He's worth that money or, you know, he's not, but you got one good year out of him and you can go use that money elsewhere. Yeah, uh, totally agree with you on the uh, the low risk factor of it. When I when I first saw, because you know a lot of the a lot of us press fans, we were thinking, okay, they've got all this cap space, they've got another move or two in their back pockets. We're just waiting to see. Um, everyone was thinking about it was possibly going to be Mike Hoff because uh, he was you know hanging around, and there were a lot of reports that the Preds were one of the top suitors for Hoffman. And uh, uh, 
So how do you, so Hoffman went to St. Louis, right? So kind of what do you think about uh, Hoffman and how he didn't end up going to the Preds may or may not have uh, maybe the Preds chose not to take Hoffman. They decided to go other ways, obviously, but what, how, how do you feel about the Hoffman going to St. Louis deal and uh, kind of like he could have ended up with the Preds, but the Preds didn't go after him. He ended up going to St. Louis. Kind of give us your thoughts kind of on, on Mike Hoffman, who was one of the biggest remaining free agents. Yeah. I, I like I Hoffman scores a lot and that's sort of the point of hockey is to score a lot of goals. Right. So, I mean, I know right, yeah. it seems like his, his value in the market, like when he was getting traded before and now this off season, his, his value seems to be less than what you see on this, on the stat sheet. So yeah, uh, he's kind of limited in that he's obviously not l- that interested or that strong defensively, but he scores goals and that's how you win games for the most part. So um, I really like the fit for St. Louis. It's a good team, a competitive team. Um, they have a couple openings in their top group of forwards with Cena out for the year and Tarasenko out for at least a month or two. So I think that's a really, really good fit there in St. Louis. Um, we'll have to see what the final, the, the kind of the real contract comes out, you know, reports around 4 million or so. Um, again, which is, you know, seems like about the money for Granlin. I think Hoffman is going to score more goals than, than Granlin this year. Uh, I think he would have been a really good fit with Nashville. And, you know, looking at their cap situation, like, um, I guess it depends if they're going to go short term or long term on Kunin, who they still need to sign. But you could see that they could have made it work with him and Granlin. Um, but maybe you know they're trying to save some cash this year in addition to cap space. Um, the other thing, though, you know, we didn't touch on it earlier, but we we did say that the roster sizes are going to be a bit less. But the other thing about this special unique year, the season is going to be less days with with fifty six games. Normally, a season is one hundred and eighty six days, and so the way the salary cap works is for every day a player's on on the roster, uh, one day worth of their cap hit counts towards them. This year's season is only going to be one hundred and sixteen days. So what that means is that each day is is worth more. I guess is the easiest way to say it, or each day is worth a greater percentage of the season. And so um, the way that cap space works is it like it accrues, and so for you know, all this cap space the Preds might have at the start of the year. As you get later in the year at, say, the trade deadline, that's going to be worth even more of a player's annual cap it that they could add compared to even in a normal year. So um, that means that, you know, if they if they stay with three, four million dollars of cap space um, kind of through the year, by the time you get to the trade deadline, like they could basically add any player um, and have the cap space to do that. And whether that means they want to add a good player or a player that like that they want or maybe there's some teams that are trying to do some maneuvers at the trade deadline and need to clear out some cap space. They could potentially get an asset for taking on like a bad contract. Um, and from a cash standpoint, they'd only have to pay that contract for you know the last few weeks of the season. And from a salary cap standpoint, again, with all the cap space they might be able to bank or accrue earlier in the year, it, it, it likely wouldn't make much of a difference for them. So maybe that's part of their strategy is kind of save some cash, save some cap space, and then use it later in the year to either add a player or pick up some assets for uh, sort of selling some of that cap space. Interesting stuff. Uh, being joined by Hart, who uh, is with Puckpedia. They do a lot of salary cap stuff. Please go follow them on Twitter at Puckpedia. Uh, they are an awesome follow. They can give you all of your uh, information when it comes to all of that stuff, and they are just an awesome follow. Uh, one more thing I want to get your thoughts on before we uh, wrap this thing up. And uh, the biggest uh, un- unrestricted free agent 
that's coming up next offseason for the Preds, if you're looking at their salary cap uh, situation going into the next offseason, is obviously Pecorine, who is, in many people's minds, the GOAT of the Preds franchise, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, most people expect him to not come back to the Preds. He's, he'll either retire or maybe he'll go to another team. Uh, if you could kind of give me some of your thoughts on if you think this is uh, Rene's last season from a salary cap standpoint, or do you think there's a team out there who would be interested in maybe bringing him aboard as a backup? And what he, you know, kind of your thoughts on that. I'm very interested to uh, see what you think about that. Well, I think it's going to really just come down to his performance this year. Like he, you know, the, this last year he had an 895 save percentage, which, you know, I don't think is going to get it done um, for a lot of teams. If he can bring that up to like a, you know, even a 907, 905 save percentage with his sort of uh, resume and history. Yeah, I think there's some teams that may be interested. Um, again, I guess it also depends if we go back, if, if the world is completely normal next year. Um, so sort of back to our earlier discussion on the special rules this year, all the teams have to carry a third goalie, um, at least on their taxi squad. So that sort of opened up an extra job per team um, to be with the NHL team instead of playing in the minors. You know, if the world's completely back to normal next year, then we're back to only kind of needing two NHL goalies and two AHL goalies per team. But if there's still some, some worries about uh, traveling or are people having to quarantine and a team does need a third goalie. Um, it, it just creates more jobs and it, and it makes it kind of even leaner for uh, good backups out there. So that could help, but I think it'll really come down to his performance this year. The, the one thing in his favor, if he does want to play is as a player that's 35 or older, he can sign a contract that includes performance bonuses. So we've seen this like, uh, you know, with Chara for the last few years, uh, Mike Smith uh, is a good example with the Oilers both last year and this year. They can, uh, they can sign and, and Rene could sign a contract for maybe a really low base salary. And then uh, the rest would be bonuses. And it could be the bonuses could be based on, you know, whatever they can dream up. But the most common one is based on games that he would play. Um, and so that could help a team uh, because they would only have to pay him if he's, you know, starts playing and he's good and they want to keep uh, playing him. Um, and if, if it doesn't work out, you know, with a low enough base salary, they could waive him, send him to the minors, clear his cap hit and kind of have no, yeah. no cap consequences um, for having tried it. The other thing too, with, with this contract like that, with uh, performance bonuses is those bonuses won't count against the salary cap until the end of the year. Um, and so, you know, for a team that's set against the cap, they really don't have to worry about those bonuses until kind of the end of the year. And if it puts them over the cap, then that would just carry forward to the following year. So okay. that really opens them up to kind of like any team. Um, and with a structure like that, you can be creative. But again, if he has another sub 900 save percentage, it's probably all a moot point and, and maybe there's not a job for him. But if you can see a bit of a rebound, um, yeah, you could certainly see potentially a team uh, taking a really low risk flyer on a guy with that resume. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you on the fact that he's got to have a really strong bounce back season for it. But you know his pedigree and his track record. If he's a free agent, you know teams go after goaltenders. Sometimes they reach for goaltenders, and so if he like 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 you're saying, if he has a if he has a strong bounce back season, and me personally, I think he's gonna get. Plenty of starts this season to prove that. Uh, I don't think uh, UC Soros, he, he, 
he's the starting goaltender going into the season, but Green A is going to get plenty of starts, plenty of pieces to um, – if he does want to play past the season, as you were saying, then he's going to get plenty of chances to show that he's still – you know, that last season was a little bit of a blimp on the ra- blip on the radar, and he's more of the 2018 Vezina Trophy goaltender. I think he's somewhere in the middle. Obviously, I don't think he's going to win another Vezina, but I do think he's got a lot more to give to the Preds this season and maybe to another thing, another team after this season. So, uh, Hart, I really appreciate it, man, joining our podcast. You got something else to say real quick on that? Oh, I was just going to say, I, I think the interesting uh, Preds goalie situation is Saros. Like, he's yeah, he's a restricted free agent. He's had a, a bargain of a contract the last couple of years. So, depending on how that yeah. workload splits this year and how he performs, that might be a, a potentially big contract for the Preds to lock up the goalie of the future. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been, I've been looking at that for a while that he's going to, that he's also up as a restricted free agent. Uh, maybe I can have you on a future episode. You've been awesome. This is Hart. He uh, runs Puckpedia. Uh, really smart guy, knows his stuff. Please follow him on Twitter at Puckpedia. I really appreciate him joining our podcast tonight, the Catfish and Ice podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, Hart, uh, take and I will talk to you very soon in the future. And we will be right back for the next segment of the Catfish on Ice podcast. Welcome back to the uh, Catfish on Ice podcast on the Hockey Podcast, or brought to you by the Hockey Cat Podcast Network. Uh, thank you to Hart from Buckpedia for an excellent interview. Uh, so just good to hear that perspective and that information, especially from the cat perspective. Uh, as well as, you know, from, you know, kind of forecast things for the future. So we appreciate him for joining us. Uh, Got to get into it with the uh, World Junior Juniors, at least touch on it a little bit here because they're happening. Um, one of the cool things about, you know, the Predators right now is we've got a lot of prospects out there, um, and we're hoping that they can possibly contribute this year, or the very least went by 2022. So we're getting kind of an early look on uh, some of these prospects, which has been pretty cool. Um, you know, Askarov, our, our goalie that was selected with the 11th overall pick, uh, he's been doing pretty well for Russia. I think he's kind of getting his bearings a little bit, especially with the international play. Um, the U.S., you know, we're not – the U.S. are no slouches when it comes to international hockey. So they gave him a little bit of a challenge in the first game when they uh, were Western 1-5-3. But when you see, you know, Askarov play, for me, I see someone that's just uh, – is a big body in the net that can make, th- make things happen that you wouldn't think someone that size can do. And it reminds me of really of a young Pecorino. I'm, I'm so excited to see him – uh, you know, how he how he develops. I think the one thing for him is um, in the USA game and even, you know, in, in the other game, he's he struggled a little bit to make some mistakes mentally, I think, that have kind of put him in a bad position, but he's always rebounded from them too. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how he develops over the years and, and really becomes the prospect that we think he can. I mean, when you see him play, you see why his scouting reports were what they were uh, and, and all the potential he has. Um, you know, against the, the checks, it was, you know, a rough game for him, but by, you know, by those standards, it was two, nothing. So a rough game for him is only two goals allowed. Uh, on the flip side of that, we have Tomasino who's playing with Canada, Canada against Germany. I mean, it was, it was a boat race. I felt bad watching it at that point. Like by, by the middle of the second period, it was like, is there a mercy rule for this? Cause I mean, Canada, Canada is a sack team. as yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. To be, to be the team 16 to two is just. It's rough. I mean, and granted, Thomasina had two goals and one assist, so it was an awesome showing from him, um, especially early on. You know, to get a goal very, pretty much from the jump. Uh, he's got some breakaway speed. I mean, he he is he's going to be a problem offensively. He's got some 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 skills 
you know, especially with handling the puck, that are going to make some teams really, really frustrated by him. Um, it just gives me a lot of hope for the Predators for a long-term future of seeing someone like him, you know, score kind of at will the way he did. Uh, and then to also see him get the, the go-ahead goal against Slovakia, uh, who they beat 3-1, that was pretty awesome too. So, you know, between the both players and then a bunch of other Predators prospects out there, um, but those are the two big names. But between those guys, I mean, it's just the future looks bright for the Predators. The future, you know, is, is good and in good hands. Um, these guys continue to develop, continue to grow in size uh, and produce the way we think they can produce. So what are y'all's thoughts? Well, I know that <clears throat> Tomasino said in an interview that his main goal was to make the Predators roster this year. And he's really making a case for himself. If you watch the video, the goals, he's, he, the way he's playing, like you said, his speed. Um, I know once he does finally get to training camp or whatever, he's going to make it hard for John Hines to – it's going to be a tough decision to put him in or not because, I mean, he's definitely playing well, so. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he's making it – he's making his case right now for sure, and that's kind of what we were interested in uh, going in is, is how is Tomasino going to perform on this massive stage, you know, 100 points in the OHL this past season. So that's that's put yourself on a in a spotlight there to you know to keep that pace going, and you know he's he's I mean he's performing at a very high level. His zone entries are kind of what like all you gotta do is just watch the guy play, and he's just skating effort effortlessly into the offensive zone right now. And that whole team's playing great. He's surrounded by a ton of talent, so you obviously have to account that for it, but he's living up to the hype right now because he's under everyone's microscope. Like, okay, he is the top prospect in the prospect pool and he's on this big stage and he's, he is so far he's delivered. It's a small sample size so far in this uh, world juniors, but he is performing very, very well. And you know, really easy. Like, that's what I like the most about Tomasino. And Colin, you were saying something about what he said in his interview about talking about kind of like, I mean, kind of like wise beyond his year. Yeah, I mean, you just he, he did the post game interview after the Germany game, and, and just listening to him talk, you wouldn't you wouldn't think he's as young as he is. I mean, he sounds like he's been a pro, you know, for for you know three or four years now, a veteran pro. Um, he just he understand his understanding of the game is there, but it's also the maturity, the way he comes off. I think that. When he joins the Preds, it's going to be—he's he, going to do very well just because he has that maturity level. I think he's ready to contribute in terms of young leadership and especially in a young team. Uh, we're looking for players uh, that are going to contribute at from the the youth movement, I guess, for, for so to speak. He's already got that. He's already got that leadership aspect. He's already got the maturity. He understands the game, you know, very very well. And even when you watch him play, kind of like what you were saying about his own entries, you know, yeah, he's got a lot of talent around him, but. The things that he's been doing, especially when he's contributing in terms of goals and assists, he's creating those opportunities on his own. I mean, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these things are him setting himself up or just, you know, making it look effortless against some of these players and some of these teams. And so, you know, he hasn't really had to lean on that talent. It's almost scary to think that Canada could even be, you know, more stacked and more talented than, you know, what we thought because, you know, with a guy like that that can create his own opportunities, that's something that we're going to need, especially with the Preds. The Preds just did not get opportunities like that. And if they did, they would get turnovers and things like that. I don't see that in Tomasino's game. I see a very smart player who doesn't make he doesn't make the unnecessary moves, and at the same time, he still creates opportunities that kind of blow your mind a little bit. But he's going to be a fun one just from the maturity standpoint, from the overall skill aspect of it. I mean, 
like I said, he was one of the best players, if not the best player in the OHL last year. So it, it would be very interesting to see if, what would it, what would happen if he played for the AHL. Obviously, he can't do that. So seeing him with our taxi squad, I really do hope we get to see him at least in some you know NHL playing time, just because I think he's earned it at least you know from the from so far from the the world's. Uh, aspect of it you know it's kind of been an audition for him but uh, I want to see what he can do I want to see what he can do when he has other professionals around him um, they're probably at the same skill level as players he's playing with right now if not better they should theoretically be better so it's gonna be interesting to see when he you know gets up here what he does with that opportunity but dude's got maturity he's got skill he's gonna be fun to watch for years to come even if even if he does just get on the taxi squad it'll be good for him because they don't even know if there's going to be a season for the OHL next year. So just think about it. He gets to practice with the team and hang out with all those guys and just learn. I mean, it just, it'd be a great opportunity for him, even if he doesn't get to play next year in the NHL. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's an awesome point to make there because that's kind of the thing here is, okay, you're on that taxi squad and you still get to be with the team. So even if you're not in the starting lineup, you're still getting to uh, get that valuable experience with the team. And for a player like Tomasino, he's got the whole future ahead of him. And uh, we all know he's going to eventually be in the NHL. It's a matter of when, not if. And so if he can be on that, even if he's on the taxi squad, like you said, Rich, uh, it's still going to be very valuable for him. And my money's on that he's going to be he's going to he's going to be in an NHL game this year. I really think in this crazy schedule that we're about to be in that he is on the roster at point. Uh, so we just kind of wanted to touch on the World Juniors because it's a really big deal. Uh, it, they're still in the group stages uh, on that. So we will, in the next episode, we will definitely give another update on what's going on with the World Juniors. But now we're going to shift gears here. And we got uh, New Year's Eve coming up. It's hard to hard to believe that uh, New Year's Eve is already here, and it's uh, 2021 is almost here. And I know a lot of people are doing cartwheels about 2021 yeah. almost being here. Uh, everyone celebrates New Year's Eve in their own way. Everyone like has people over, has fun. Obviously, with COVID nineteen, uh, we encourage everyone to be safe out there and follow the local protocols when it comes to COVID-19. But this is more of a hypothetical thing to have fun. Now, we're kind of like, you know, the press have plenty of characters on their team. They have plenty of very fun personalities. That's why we love them. And so we're going to kind of go around with uh, uh, me, Rich, and uh, Colin. We're going to kind of talk about some of the players on the team that we would like to hang out with on New Year's Eve. And it can be in any capacity. It can be just like, chilling and watching the ball drop. It can be uh, any way we want to do it. But, you know, these players, they're, they're humans just like us, and they, have, they, know, they like to have fun, and they like to do that. They like to go out, and when they're not playing hockey, they live their own lives, and they have fun. And so I'm going to get this started, and I'm going to throw out a player that I'm like, okay, this would be a lot of fun to hang out with this guy. I just think he'd be a fun New Year's Eve hangout. And that's Victor Arvidsson. <laughs> that's Arvey. I mean, Definitely. this guy just seems like he is just always the life of the party. His personality is hilarious. Even when he's out there and guys are shoving his face into the boards, he's out there smiling and having fun. And he plays bigger than his size on the ice. Like, he's one of the smallest guys on the ice most of the time. And he just gets out there and plays with uh, this grittiness and with this 
this drive and this passion for the game. And I just feel like he probably carried that in his, in his own life. And so he was my first pick for me is like a guy that was fun to hang out with on New Year's Eve, like to bring in the new year. Uh, guys, give me some, like Rich, who's, who's one of your picks for, for New Year's Eve? Uh, you, who would be on the top of your guest list on the Preds roster? All right, so, so I'm kind of a little bit of a homebody, not much of a partier. And I know that Pecorino just had a baby. So it's going to be nice and quiet at his house. So I would like to just go – yeah. Hang out with him, play some video games, whatever. There you go. Whenever you have any of these polls where you're like, which Preds player do you want to do something with? My answer is probably always going to be Pecorine. So, I mean, that's going to be you know, every time. So, so yeah, definitely him. But like you said, Arvidsson seems like he'd probably be pretty fun to hang out with too. Yeah, I think for me, uh, it's either it's between two players. So, uh, it's actually for me between Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg. Ryan Johansson, I think, has like a subtle humor, and I've heard that he's kind of he's kind of one of the jokesters on the team that is a little more subtle. Uh, whereas you know, Philip Forsberg just seems like a fun guy in general, uh, just a creative guy that yeah. you know wants that time. So for me, it's between those two. I think both of those guys would be you know pretty much anybody from the, the Jofa line. I think it's going to be a good time, just because those guys just seem like fun dudes on and off the ice. But I can see the appeal of Pecorino too, especially if you want a more of a relaxed night. Uh, my, my relax, like my more, if you want to just like kind of chill and kick back a little bit, was going to be Roman Yossi. He seems like he does mm-hmm. everything, you know, top, top notch, you know, high class. So for me, I was thinking like Roman Yossi is kind of the kind of guy that, you know, would do like a, a steak and lobster dinner and, you know, nice, you know, champagne toast at midnight. And then you call it a night. You're not going to get too wild, but you're going to indulge. You're going to have a good time. So those are kind of yeah. my, my, my guess, my two and then my uh, more uh, chill option with uh, Yossi. I was wavering on Rene and Rocco Grimaldi because I think I like him a lot too. And he seems like he's more reserved a little bit and kind of chilled out. So it would be cool just to hang out with that with him as well. Yeah. And Forsberg, uh, Forsberg is a big gamer. Yes, yeah. he is. Like he, he, he does a lot of online. I know that during the pause, he, uh, I can't. I can't think of the uh, the name of the Avalanche player that he went up against on it. But he, uh, they had like a NHL uh, sports NHL tournament, yeah. and I can't even remember what they called the tournament. But Forsberg was the, uh, each team had their own representative, and I know Forsberg represented the Preds, and he is a avid gamer. Yeah, uh, and so he made it pretty far in the tournament. He played a, a from the Avalanche. I can't think of his name. It's escaping me, and I don't want to botch it. But uh, you can actually watch it live stream. And, I mean, here's Forsberg just chilling in his gamer chair with his headset on, just like one of us, just like chilling, kicking his feet, playing NHL 20 or 21, whatever year of the game it was. But, I mean, he's out here, like, analyzing the game and, and having fun. So Forsberg is a really good pick there. Just because of the earth, even though he is a, a big-time player in the NHL, he's a very down-to-earth guy. Uh so that's a good pick. Pecorino is a good pick too. That that would be probably my second pick, just because you know Pekka's gonna just be the chill guy that that everyone needs. And you know when you have a group of friends, you need that chill guy. You need right. that guy that's gonna calm everybody down, um, be the voice of reason. You know, and that's kind of Pecorino for me. So good choices yeah. there, uh, guys. I hope you guys have a good New Year's coming. Uh, we got New Year coming up, 21. We got the uh, press training camp coming out just a couple days after that. 
<laughs> so everything's going to be moving fast and furious. Uh, uh, real quick, I do want to touch on it because we are a Nashville Predators podcast. And uh, me personally, I'm located in Nashville. Uh, just want to uh, send all of my uh, condolences out to anyone that was uh, impacted by the bombing that happened on Christmas Day in Nashville. Um, it was a very scary scene, but we're uh, all very thankful that no lives were lost. And uh, we will be putting out on the podcast social media um, information on how we can uh, all help and volunteer if possible. But we did want to make sure we mentioned in our episode tonight that all of our hearts and uh, all of our prayers and all of our condolences go out to anyone that's been impacted by this. And uh, Nashville Strong, hashtag Nashville Strong is something that's been circulating all year with the tornadoes and the tornado, uh, the pandemic, and now with this. Uh, uh, We're all about Nashville, hashtag Nashville Strong. And we will uh, put out some links for uh, any volunteers that are uh, any uh, volunteering possibility that are out there. We will put that out there and we'll get back to uh, uh, making Nashville strong again. And Pretz Hockey will definitely help bring us all together again. So, uh, guys, I really appreciate it. We will bring you another episode after the new year. We won't see you after uh, New Year's Eve. And so we hope all of our listeners have a very happy and safe uh new year's eve is anybody you guys got anything else to say real quick before we toss it to 2021 officially just good riddance 2020 <laughs> amen to that no. <laughs> good riddance to 2020 hopefully 2021 <laughs> is better and uh lo- love and kindness to the residents of nashville uh to my yes. home my home and my, my family and friends back there and everybody else back there that is uh going through everything uh we're all thinking with you but 2021 is going to be better we got to make it better absolutely Absolutely. So we will be back. We will see you again in 2021. And we're going to have plenty to talk about when the calendar flips to 2021 because training camp will be here and it's going to be a lot of fun. We hope all of you follow us along on uh, Twitter at catfish ice is where you can follow the podcast. Uh, right, you got your host here. This is Chad Minton. You can follow me at Chad underscore Minton. Uh, at Rich underscore Hal underscore nine and Colin Bloom at Colin Bloom. We appreciate all of you. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Until next time, we'll see you in 2021. And thanks for listening.